Welcome to the Building Resilience Podcast, where we learn all about building resilience in ourselves and helping others build it too. We draw from the principles of positive psychology, neuroscience, and coaching to help you face change and adversity and do more than just survive. We want you to thrive. We are your hosts, Heather Stables and Leah Davidson, and we are certified life coaches and speech language pathologists. We will help you manage your mind, your emotions, deal with your stress and your overwhelm, and become the very best version of yourself, version 2.0. Let's get started. This is the Building Resilience Podcast, episode number 43, 100% responsibility and 0% excuses with your hosts, Heather Stables and Leah Davidson. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Building Resilience Podcast. How are you doing today, Heather? I'm great. I'm great. We always record on a Friday and uh, I'm happy to be here. It's always nice to be recording knowing that we have a weekend ahead of us. It's true. Yes. Lots of good things happen on Friday. Any good plans for this weekend? I'm going to be watching a little bit of tennis. Isn't it incredible? I know that now we are recording way in advance, so people already know the results, but tennis has been pretty intense. Yes. For Canada. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. How about you? Nothing much. Getting some stuff done. That's pretty much it. So we will dive right in today with our topic. Now, several years ago, I watched a replay of a speech that was given at the university where some of my kids go, Brigham Young University. And the speech was called Be 100% Responsible, and it was given by Lynn G. Robbins. And the presentation had such a profound effect on me, and it's one of my go-tos that I love to share. It was one that I made my kids watch too, because I thought the message was really important. And then recently, I was reading a book called Stepping Up by John Izzo. And in that book, he shares a very similar message of this concept that he calls 100-0. So today, we're going to be drawing from some of the examples and stories from this talk and from this book. So Heather, why don't you tell us a little bit about John Izzo's concept, 100-0? All right. John Izzo shares how he first heard the concept 100-0 in a bank he was visiting. It was a bank that had been named best company to work for in America by Fortune magazine back in 1998. He wanted to find out what made this bank the best. While talking with the employees, he kept hearing people talk about a concept called 100-0. He asked about it and one teller told him the 100 stands for 100% responsibility. All employees had to take was 100% responsibility for themselves and for the success of the bank. And the zero stood for no excuses. There are always reasons you did not come through, but at the end of the day, you work with what you have, so there are no excuses for not giving your best. After he left the bank, Izzo decided that these two numbers were transformative. When we take 100% responsibility and give ourselves no excuses for what we can't or shouldn't act to make things different, everything changes. That's right. So he goes on to say that there are a lot of zero 100 people in the world, meaning zero responsibility and 100% excuses. It seems as if some people don't think that anything is their responsibility and they have all kinds of excuses why they can't change. And you hear it in what people say. So people will say things like, my marriage would be better if she were different. The morale stinks around here. I wish management would do something to fix it. 
or the restaurant is really not doing well because it's got a bad location. So you get the point. Basically, it comes down to it's not my fault. And here is a long list of why I can't do anything about it. Yeah, that's so interesting. And so I think relatable. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Now, no excuses may seem a bit extreme, but he goes on to say that it is not so much the point that there are never any constraints, but really that there are always constraints that could keep us from stepping up. When we focus on those constraints instead of on what we can do given those constraints, we wind up acting like victims. And I think we all know when you think of yourself as a victim, we limit our growth. Thinking and feeling like a victim is really not good for anyone. It doesn't feel good for us and it doesn't feel good for others to be around us either. Yeah, exactly. Now, again, he does point out that he's not saying that constraints aren't real or that there's never a legitimate reason for failure. But he is saying that if you decide to work with whatever deck of cards you have been dealt and go from there, you will accomplish much more than sitting there complaining about your deck and then not even playing the game. So what does this sound like? Sounds like resilience, playing your best with whatever hand you have been dealt. So really, no excuses means we begin by not surrendering to the excuses that could keep us from stepping up in life. No excuses means recognizing that while some excuses may be true, they are almost never useful. So the question is always, what are you going to do in spite of those constraints? Yeah, that is a great question because remember, excuses are really just thoughts. They're stories we tell ourselves and all thoughts are optional. How often do we feel like our thoughts are so true? That's true for me. (laughs) My thoughts are true though. (laughs) I'm always like, yeah, I know the concept, but seriously, my thoughts are true. (laughs) (laughs) But, But when we coach people, we always tell them it's not necessarily about what you think is true or not. That's not the question. The real question is, is it useful? What kind of feeling does it evoke? Then what action or inaction is fueled by that feeling? And then of course, you know, what result do you create? So Izzo talks about leadership and offers the difference between a good leader and a really great leader is that a really great leader asks, what can I do with the constraints? While others come up with the reasons why they could not, did not, or will not deliver what they say they will. So what it comes down to is we can sit around and be victims or we can decide what we are going to do with the hand that we've been dealt. So I want you to think about what would be the difference in your company, at your work, in your family, in your marriage, in your neighborhood, in your relationships with anybody If everyone decided instead of looking for someone else to solve a problem, they just began asking themselves what they can do to solve the problem personally to make things better. Because if every single person took 100% responsibility for themselves, how would things in life change? What would happen if we just accepted that there will always be constraints, but we asked our brain to answer, how will we work to accomplish our goals given those constraints? So set your brain on the path to solve that question instead of just letting it off the hook by saying that things are just too hard. Yeah, that's a good plan. So Izzo also suggests that part of being 100-0 is a willingness to look in the mirror first instead of looking outside. When we look inside, we move to a place of responsibility rather than blame. 
when we take responsibility, full responsibility for every problem, even if we are only a small contributor, everything shifts. We end up shifting our thinking just ever so slightly, which we know with the model that we teach our thinking creates our feelings. So change your thinking, change how you feel. And your feelings fuel all of your actions or inactions, which then create your results. So even a slight shift of thinking can put you on an entirely different track to a different result. And think of a shift of a small degree on a compass. Initially, it's a tiny degree, but for an airplane, a shift in one degree of direction can get you in Washington, D.C. instead of New York City. That always blows my mind when I hear that example. I love that example. I use it all the time. I know you use it all the time. I think we actually have a whole podcast coming up all about the 1% gift, but it's amazing because it is so minute in the short term. In the long term, it can make the biggest, biggest difference. So let's talk now a bit more about the excuses that we often find we give instead of taking responsibility. And I also want to point out that many of us, we want freedom and agency in our lives to do what we want. But sometimes we don't want the responsibility. But in reality, you can't separate the freedom from the responsibility. They go hand in hand. So I think some of us want to lessen our responsibility, and that's why we come up with excuses. So if we look at the different ways people find excuses, what they say or do to avoid being responsible... Some of them can actually be pretty sneaky. And like we've said earlier, some may feel really true, but the question is, are they useful? And obviously this list isn't all inclusive. And I take it from the talk from BYU and Robbins, he calls this the anti-responsibility list. Mm -hmm. This is the juicy part, people. (laughs) Right. This is the part where we're going to read and you're going to think, not me, Mm, maybe me, Mm, me all the time. This is the part where we're going to read you 19 excuses. When they come up for you, you're going to ask yourself, is this helpful? Is this useful? But don't judge yourself. (laughs) (laughs) See, we said at the same time, that's how important it is. No judgment. No judgment. Just noticing people. Just noticing. Yeah. Okay. Ready for this? Number one, blaming others. We know that one. Number two, rationalizing or justifying. But, but, but. (laughs) That's right. Because, because, because. (laughs) Number three, making excuses. Excuses come in a thousand varieties. Yeah. The dog ate my homework. Lots of flavors of excuses. Number four, minimizing, minimalizing, or trivializing things. Number five, hiding. (laughs) This is a common avoidance technique. I just imagine like I visualize someone just under the covers with like their eyes. (laughs) The world doesn't exist. That's right. (laughs) Number six, covering up. Now this is closely associated with hiding. Number seven, uh, fleeing from responsibility. Eight, abandoning responsibility. Nine, denying or lying. And 10, rebelling. Now, I don't think these are in any particular order. So if you are like, no, haven't done any of those, you're not off the hook yet because I got a lot more. Because number (laughs) 11 is one that I have to say, I've never met anybody who hasn't done this one. And that is complaining. Complaining is such a big one. Number 12 is finding fault and then getting angry. 
Number 13 is making demands and entitlements, thinking you're entitled to things. 14 is doubting and losing hope and giving up and just simply quitting. 15 is indulging in self-pity and a victim mentality like we already talked about. 16, this one threw me off, being indecisive. Now, the irony with indecision is that if you don't make a decision in time, time will make a decision for you. 17 is procrastinating. A twin of indecision is actually procrastination. 18 is allowing fear to rule. And 19 is enabling. Hmm. That's a good list, you know? I know. (laughs) I don't like (laughs) that list, though. (laughs) Okay, so... You may feel yourself getting a bit defensive. No, I was just no. <laughs> and that's okay. I was just like, yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, oh yeah. We all make excuses and we all use some of these items at times. While we want to strive to take responsibility, we have to remember we're also human. So let's bring some compassion into this. We're not introducing this list so you beat yourself up about it, but we're just, we're shining a light on possibly some of your go-tos that are limiting your growth. Yeah, because it's important to recognize that excuses will never equal results. So if you are not seeing results in your life, in whatever area of your life, then you might want to take an honest look at what excuses you are offering up that are taking the place of results. So go through that list. Where do you spend a lot of time? I see so many ways that excuses come up in my life and I didn't even realize it. And I certainly have not thought of how they're limiting me and the results in my own life. So things like complaining and procrastinating and being driven by fear or being indecisive. These are all things that I find myself doing. I've just never thought of the implication on the results of my life. Like, how is it limiting? How are these excuses limiting me? Mm -hmm, That's right. So if this anti-responsibility list is so limiting to us, why do so many people frequently turn to it? Robin suggests it's because we're human and by that's a good reason, you know, (laughs) Uh, just because we're human and by nature, we will go to this list as a defense mechanism to avoid shame and embarrassment, stress and anxiety, and the pain and negative consequences of mistakes and failure. So all things that feel terrible, right? Right. And we do, like we always talk about everything we do or don't do is because of how we want to feel or don't want to feel. Mm-hmm. A human nature is to avoid feeling those feelings because they're uncomfortable. That's right. And not pleasant. Anyway, rather than own up to things and seek to change to eliminate guilt, we sedate it with excuses. It gives us a false sense that our environment or someone else is to blame. And so we have no need to make amends or take responsibility. That's right. And the other thing to note is that everything in this list keeps us stuck. It stops our growth and progress. We are no longer in charge of our own lives. We hand over our emotions. We hand over all these things, what we do to someone else. We are at the mercy of our circumstances, which we know our circumstances include other people or different situations. So we become powerless when we hand over our responsibility. And powerlessness leads to hopelessness which then we are on the path to self-pity and victimhood. Of course, again, and I do want to emphasize that everyone will fail at their attempt to success. There is not one human who 
at times won't make excuses. And sometimes there's reasons for doing it. But as we mentioned earlier, the point is do what we can in spite of all the reasons to rise above these reasons. And when we take responsibility, even when we do have some very justifiable reasons, we find that our thinking and our doing get more creative. We think outside of the box to have success. And to think outside of the box, we have to develop a very important characteristic, which is grit. Did you know, Heather, that there is an awesome TED Talk about grit? (laughs) I can believe it. So grit is a concept introduced by Angela Duckworth, and she defines it as the tendency to pursue long-term challenging goals with perseverance and passion. So it's a willingness to work hard through adversity to achieve success. And adversity can be in the form of the real reasons that we feel are completely justifiable. So we still need to step up and take responsibility. And that requires grit and a willingness to work through some hard times and stay focused on your goal. So I urge you to go watch that TED Talk. It's very short. It's about 10 minutes long. And she talks about how she discovered the importance of grit in that talk. I'm going to share part of a story that Robin shared in his talk because I think it beautifully illustrates what 100 responsibility looks like. It even shows that there are some real excuses that people could use and how the people ended up using creativity, perseverance, and grit to accomplish their goal. It's a bit of a long story, so we are going to share it, but it's so, so good. So bear with us. Robin says, Once upon a time. No, he didn't say that. In in 1983, a few partners and I started a new company that taught time management seminars and created and sold day planners. For corporate seminars, we sent our consultants to the client's headquarters where they taught at the corporate training facilities. Prior to the seminar, two employees in our distribution center would prepare and ship several boxes of training materials, such as the day planners, binders, and forms. Also included was a participant seminar guidebook of around 100 pages with quotes, fill-in-the-blanks, graphs, and illustrations. The two distribution center employees would normally send the seminar shipment 10 days before the seminar. At the time that the following incident occurred, we were teaching around 250 seminars each month. With so many seminar shipments, these two employees would often commit errors, such as not shipping sufficient quantities or omitting certain materials or not shipping on time. This became an irritating and often embarrassing frustration for the consultants. When these problems occurred, the seminar division would file a complaint with me as the distribution center was one of my responsibilities. When I spoke with these two employees about errors and system improvements, they never wanted to accept responsibility for the errors. They would blame others, saying things like, it's not our fault. The seminar division filled out the seminar supplies request form incorrectly, and we sent the shipment exactly according to their specifications. It's their fault. You can't blame us. Or they might say, We shipped it on time, but the freight company delivered it late. You can't blame us. Another excuse was the binder subsidiary packaged the individual seminar kits with errors, and we shipped the kits as they were given to us. It's their fault. It seemed these two employees were never responsible for the errors, and so the errors continued. Then something critical happened. The director of training for a large multinational corporation attended one of our seminars and was so thrilled with it that she invited us to teach a pilot seminar to its 50 or so top executives. On the day of the seminar, our consultant arrived and opened the boxes of materials and discovered that the seminar guidebooks were missing. Without the seminar guidebooks, how would the participants follow along and take notes? 
Their training director was panic-stricken. Our consultant did the best he could by making sure each participant was given a pad of paper on which to take notes throughout the day, and the seminar turned out reasonably well, even without the guidebooks. Extremely embarrassed and angry, their training director called our seminar division and said, you will never teach here again. How could you have made such an embarrassing and inexcusable error with our pilot seminar? An upset senior vice president of our seminar division called me and said, this is the last straw. We're about to lose a million dollar account because of the distribution center's errors. We simply can't tolerate any more errors. As one of the owners of the company, I couldn't tolerate such errors either. At the same time, I did not want to see these two breadwinners fired. After pondering possible solutions, I decided to implement an incentive system to motivate these two men to be more careful. For each seminar shipped correctly, they would receive one additional dollar or a possibility of an extra $250 each a month, hopefully enough to focus their attention on quality. However, if they made one error, a $1 penalty wasn't much of a loss. I therefore decided to also include two $100 bonuses for no errors. With the first error, they not only lost $1, but also the first $100 bonus. If they made a second error, they lost the second $100 bonus. So he goes on to say, I also told these employees, if there is an error, you will lose your bonus, regardless of where that error originates. You are 100% responsible for that shipment. Well, that's not fair, they responded. What happens if the seminar division fills out the seminar supplies request form incorrectly and not knowing we send the shipment with their errors? I said, you will lose your bonus. You are 100% responsible for that shipment success. That's not fair. What happens if we send the shipment on time, but the freight company delivers it late? You will lose your bonus. You are 100% responsible. But that's not fair. What happens if the binder division commits errors in pre-packaging the individual seminar kits? You can't blame us for their mistakes. You will lose your bonus, I once again responded. You are 100% responsible for that shipment's success. Do you understand? That isn't fair. Well, it may not seem fair, but that's life. You will lose your bonus. What I did was eliminate the anti-responsibility list as an option for them. They now understood that they could no longer blame others, make excuses, or justify errors even when they were right and it was someone else's fault. What happened next was fascinating to observe. When they would receive an order from the seminar division, they would call the seminar division to review the form item by item. They took responsibility for correcting any errors committed by the seminar division. They began to read the freight company's documents to make sure the correct delivery date was entered. They began to mark the cupboard shipping boxes, one of seven, two of seven, etc., with each box's contents written on the outside of the box. They began sending shipments three or four days earlier than they had in their previous routine. A few days before the seminar, they would call the client company to verify receipt of the shipment and the contents. If they had somehow omitted any materials, they had three or four extra days now to send missing items by express shipment. 
errors finally stopped happening and the employees began to earn their bonuses month after month. It was a life-changing experience for them to learn firsthand the power, control, and reward of being 100% responsible. What these two employees learned is that when they blamed somebody else, they were surrendering control of the shipment's success to others, such as the seminar division or the freight company. They learned that excuses keep you from taking control of your life. They learned it is self-defeating to blame others, to make excuses or justify mistakes, even when you are right. The moment you do any of these self-defeating things, you lose control over the positive outcomes you are seeking in life. I love this story. It shows at first glance, what was being asked seemed impossible. How are they to control what other people did or other people's mistakes? But when they decided to own it with some incentives, of course, and take 100% responsibility, then they thought differently. They stepped outside of the box. They went above and beyond, did a little extra, and it hugely paid off. So imagine in our own lives, if we did this, instead of our knee-jerk reaction being, it is too much, it's not possible, or list off all the reasons and excuses, we decided to own it and to work on the things we can do. Even if we all focused on what we can control, what is in our locus of control, instead of focusing so much on what we can't control, imagine the changes and growth we would see. It would be pretty incredible if we all took that individual responsibility. Now, Izzo sums it up in his book that how we can all step up, and we will end on this because I think it's an awesome challenge for us all. What can we do? Well, the first thing we can do is determine our part. Whenever you encounter a problem, ask yourself what you have done to contribute to the problem. It can be hard to do, but take accountability. Then you're going to ask, what can I do to change the situation? So you're planting the seed in your mind of 100, zero, this is just how I proceed. I take 100% responsibility. Okay, so that was number one. Number two, don't make excuses. Next time you come up against something tough, don't make excuses. Your brain will be tempted to go there. Assure your brain that even though the excuse could be valid, it's just not useful. You want to focus on the shifts you can make. Allow your brain to get creative and do some extra, like our example of the mailing room. Yet someone else could fill out wrong orders. There could be delays with shipping, all things out of their control. But when they took 100% responsibility, then they stepped up to find ways around and did extra and were more creative, thoughtful, and thorough. How easy would it have been to say, not my problem, or sit back and be victim to external circumstances? Then the third thing you want to do is you want to work through the adversity. You are building your resilience. Anyone who has ever stepped up and accomplished something most likely had to endure setbacks along the way. Very rarely do we meet successful people who don't have a story of failure and setbacks that brought them to where they are. Now, grit may be one of the most important characteristics of people who step up and make things happen. So next time you experience a setback on your way to achievement, ask yourself, how else can I get this done? Most people just give up too soon and let the excuses take over. That is what we have for you today. Are you going to become a 100 zero person? If you want help, of course, get in touch. This is the kind of thing that we always help people out doing. Have a great week. 
Thank you for listening to the Building Resilience Podcast. If you are interested in a little bit of weekly motivation, want to be kept in the know about upcoming free classes and resources, new podcast episodes, and other ways of working with us, please go subscribe to our weekly email. You can subscribe at www.hl-lifecoaching.com forward slash newsletter. Again, that's www.hl-lifecoaching.com forward slash newsletter. We'll see you again soon.